Direct from Fort Meade, Maryland, this is Dinfos Live. Happy to welcome you to our very special first ever on the road episode of Dinfos Live taking place right here at Com Knee Hall and Joint Base Meyer Henderson Hall. So I want to thank you all for joining us today on this very historic and awesome episode in this very historic location. And I'd like to welcome our guests for this episode, uh, the Chief of Public Affairs for Joint Base Meyer Henderson Hall, Sherry Kuiper. Sir, thank Good you. To you. And of course, her Command Information Chief, Pamela Kalakas. Welcome and welcome to the show. Why don't we go ahead and have a seat? Well, thank you so much, ladies, for being here today. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, of course, the fact that we are in this uh, very important historical building. And can you tell us a little bit about the building that we're in right now? Yeah. Economy Hall? Of course. When, when you asked uh, to do this on the road and in a really great place, this was the first thing that we thought of. Yeah, so Comney Hall was built in uh, 1934 um, at the orders of a guy named Patton that we might be familiar with. And this was at, obviously at the time where uh, the Mounted Cavalry was still very important and very essential. And so it was an equestrian facility. Oh, wow. And once that started fading away, uh, it eventually became home to the old guard. And they used that. They, they still have their horses in the caisson platoon. And so today, it is really for ceremonial purposes. So everything from presidents of the United States to our great military leaders like Patton and Eisenhower and Powell to our amazing Medal of Honor recipients have all graced the floor of Comedy Hall. And so now we get to as well. Absolutely, that's great. Now watch go ahead and tell us a little about yourselves and your careers in the world of public affairs. All right, so um, my name is Pamela Kalakas. I'm the Command Information Chief here at the Joint Base. And I've been in the public affairs career field for about 12 years now. Wow. Started out as a contractor writing for a base newspaper out at Fort Riley. And as my husband and I have moved from installation to installation through the years, I've always been able to find a position in PAO. And it's absolutely my dream job, and I love it out here. And my career started in broadcast journalism. I was a news producer for about 13 years. And uh, my husband is now retired Marine and just was very blessed to get a job in public affairs. I started out up at Fort Meade about seven years ago, and I've been down here at the Joint Base for a little over a year now. Okay, great. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about the mission of the Joint Base and how you serve that mission with public affairs and strategic communication. Great, so the, yeah, the mission of the Joint Base uh, for a lot of garrisons is really support and infrastructure. Uh, really making sure that the tenant partners who are here on the installation can do what they need to do. So if you think about a garrison, think of it as like a city and the commander is the city manager and that's who we work for. So all of our messaging, all of the uh, communications that we do are for that mission and really very heavily supporting all the other folks that are here on the base. Okay, great. Now your base is pretty unique in so much as it's not just you as being the primary PA chief and that being it for the base, right? Typically, most bases might have one or two PA chiefs, PAOs, but you have quite a few, actually. I won't ask you the exact number, but there are a lot of yourself and various tenant commands. So how many different PAOs, PA chiefs work on the base? A lot. Um, you know, there's, so there's, there's me, and then there's my counterparts at the Old Guard, at the U.S. Army Band. We also have a public affairs person in Henderson Hall, uh, working for the headquarters battalion over there with the Marines. 
But then we also have the MDW, uh, Military District of Washington Public Affairs Team, which is our senior command on the McNair campus of the Joint Base. And then that doesn't even include the senior command public affairs folks um, at Installation um, Directorate Sustainment and, in and Installation Management Command uh, PAOs that we also work with on a daily basis. And that's just that's just the chiefs. That doesn't even account for their teams and UPARs that are floating around the base. So it's a lot. Absolutely. And what kind of challenges exist with that many different uh, public affairs professionals in one place? Or, or is it you know, a really positive thing that allows you to confer with other uh, PA professionals? Yeah, it can be a challenge when you have that many PAOs. But um, in my experience, it's also a great benefit to have that many experts all in the same area. So, you know, whether we're working with one of the other chiefs that Sherry mentioned or the PAO team over at Arlington National Cemetery, um, it's a wealth of knowledge that you can tap into. Um, you can always pick up the phone and reach someone who's, um, you know, trained in public affairs, usually DEMPO's trained. Yeah, and, I would um, hope so. <laughs> absolutely. So it's, it's really a, a benefit to have, um, you know, that hive mind here. And when something happens on the base that's like, for instance, with a specific, you know, tenant unit or whatnot, how does that communication process go in terms of who says what on one particular thing? You know, we don't have two teams doing the same thing at the same time yeah. um, or in certain situations so that we can <coughs> coordinate well with each other um, when appropriate and make sure that, you know, the event is covered and the, the mission is, um, is achieved. So. Okay, yeah. great, great. Uh, besides, obviously, the large amount of PAOs, can you tell me something uh, about the base that's unique or interesting uh, that relates specifically to, to Joint Base Meyer-Henderson Hall? Maybe you could come at it from a communication information perspective. Oh, man, this installation is unlike any other um, across the Army and the DOD. So uh, there's a lot of ceremony. There's performances that happen here. I mean, we have the Army's finest musicians right next door practicing. I get to work and open the window, and I can hear them rehearsing um, almost every day. So it's it's a really unique environment in that um, there's a lot of performing arts and ceremonies and um, the historical uniforms and things that you don't see at other installations. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, from a social media perspective, are there any particular challenges that come from working at a, such a <laughs> high profile uh, organization? <coughs> yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we, we have to be aware of what's going on in the information environment and you're always you always need to scan as a PAO and make sure that, that you're, you're looking out across that environment and, and seeing what's coming at you day to day, um, what folks are talking about, what they're interested in hearing about. Um, and it can be challenging to keep eyes on that at, at all times. And then um, also, you know, knowing your commander's intent and, and mission and um, what kind of messaging that needs to be put out in the right place at the right time. Absolutely. You know, on that, that same note, because you have so many tenants on there, you know, when you have an event like the, the Military Tattoo, which I attended uh, this summer, which was an awesome event, uh, how does that go into play with regard to who is talking about it first and how one supports the other, especially on social media when you want to promote that kind of event? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, our role as the garrison is more amplifying who's in the lead with that. Um, so, but it is happening here, right here on the joint base. So um, we do have an active role to play in that. Um, whenever there's media that comes onto the installation and wants to attend an event, um, we're usually the ones that are, are doing the escort if it's, if it's an event that belongs to us. Yeah. Uh, but with Twilight Tattoo, that's an event that everyone looks forward to all year long. That's another thing that makes this uh, a very unique uh, base and a wonderful place to work and live. Yeah, absolutely. 
So the, the old guard would take the lead on communicating about it and then you yes. all would amplify that. We would amplify it and support them in any way that they need. Now, of course, we always teach evaluation at the schoolhouse. That's a big part of what we're doing. Are we, are we making an impact, right? So how do you determine if you're making an impact on either social media or, you know, again, in, in the real world when you're doing your public affairs communication activities? Yeah, well, a lot of it is making sure the command understands what we're doing in the community um, and how we're making that impact. So, for example, like with community relations, are we getting the invites to the meetings? Are we getting the requests to go out and to speak and to have the command to speak at events? You know, that really shows kind of that more qualitative aspect. Mm -hmm. And then with Pamela's um, command information, we really see those, those numbers, the, the reach we're getting on social media, the feedback we're getting, and kind of more of that two-way communication that you can literally see on those channels. Absolutely. Now, being here in such a high-profile location with, I know you have some very high-profile uh, people who live and residents who live on the base, uh, how does that play into working with the media? Are you getting more or less media requests? Are the, the media more engaged, or is it just you know, pretty much the same as any other base? Well, I don't know that it's the same as any other base, but it, it's pretty um, it's pretty even-keeled here compared to other installations probably in the area uh, I know that I've worked at. Uh, because those high-profile folks and those high-profile commands have their own PAO teams, and a lot of times the media is directly reaching out to them. So for us, it's really um, a support role. So sometimes the media may call looking for how to get to, get to that person um, or the contact, but really just a support role to get the media on post should those folks or the senior commands want them. Yeah, I imagine there's a, a lot of that support role being played by your organization as the garrison to support getting the media out to those events and those other uh, operations, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great, great. Now, of course, uh, we, we try to teach you as much as we can here at the schoolhouse uh, before we send you out and, and doing the public affairs mission. So what have you learned at the schoolhouse that you've used on, on your regular daily basis as a public affairs professional? Uh, that would be the, the thought process that you learn um, at Info. So the, you know, the um, communication strategy thought process, PACS thought process, the RPI process, um, just taking that time, building it into your day and allowing yourself to um, move through that process where you're, you're researching, you're, you're finding out uh, what you don't know, where the holes are, and not right. just making assumptions and, and, um, and, and reacting and going off of a tactic that you, you think might be the right thing to do, actually taking the time to, to work through um, uh, and ensure that your plan is solid, that you plan how you're going to measure it, and, um, and then that circular process of returning and assessing how do we do and what are we going to change for the next time. So yeah, I use that all the time. Yeah, and for me, I don't know if there's any one thing I can point to, but it's just the wealth of knowledge that we get at the schoolhouse. And every PAO is going to apply that differently to the commands or to their garrisons or, or what have you, because we all have different missions. But just knowing where to go to look for the information, just having that that proverbial toolkit mm -hmm. is really important. And I do think that one of the best things that DINFOS ever did was put together a pavilion. Yeah. Because, you know, we don't practice everything that a PAO could do in a given day every single day, right? right. And so having a resource where we can go back to and just get that checklist or kind of get that reminder of what to do is great. A perfect example is when I came down here 
literally day one walked in the door, one of the ops guys was like, hi, are you the new PAO? I said, yep. He's like, great, you have a full scale exercise coming up in a couple of months. I was like, cool. And you know, it was my first time being in a role where I really had to take on and kind of plan what public affairs would do. And Dinfos Pavilion was a huge asset and just kind of all that knowledge and the scenarios and things that we did at the schoolhouse and everything really came back. And that's what I find most helpful from the schoolhouse. Absolutely. And now, of course, we hit on a lot of different topics while you come out here and you, know, you get training, whether it's in the, the PAC side or the MCF side or whatnot. Uh, but obviously, we, we can't train you on everything to the extent that you're going to have to experience it when you get to the actual job. So what have you had to learn on the job when you, after you've left the schoolhouse? Uh, staying sharp with what's going on in social media, sure. those emerging trends Absolutely. every single day. I mean, it seems like... Um, you know, there's new features to these platforms. There's sometimes new ownership of these platforms and you have to, you know, read, um, you know about what's going on with each one of them and, and what slice of your audience is going there and how are they wanting to use those features. Yeah. So that's something that, um, you know, we do learn about in the schoolhouse a bit, but um, then, you know, even the day after graduation, it will have evolved and changed in the information environment. So you have to, Stay vigilant with that and, and um, not assume that you know how that platform works because it is going to change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and for me, it was really the community relations piece and really understanding how uh, strategic it can be. You know, we touched on it a little bit in the schoolhouse, but when you get out and really do it, especially at a garrison level, and you realize how impactful those relationships with the community, your local elected leaders, um, just organizations that are out there can be and how that can positively impact not only your garrison, but your service members and the families. It's really key, and we there really is no rule book for it. So you have a lot of trial and error in that. A lot of people think community relations are like the events or the parades and, and the speakers, in which that is a part of it, but there is a hugely uh, strategic aspect, and there's a huge opportunity there, and so that's, that's the one that I've had to learn on the road the most. Okay, great, great. You know, earlier you told me about exercises and how when you first got here, they're like, hey, you're doing an exercise. Yes. And I know this morning you had a tabletop exercise. Yes, we did. Yes. So talk to me about how important it is that a PAO play a role in those full scale exercises and has, has a part in that. I think it's one of the most important things we can do. I know for a lot of folks, you know, full scale exercise generally comes at a time when you're busy and you have things that you need to do now. And, you know, the thing is when a crisis actually happens, you need to know what to do. And for most of us, we don't exercise crisis communications to that extent every single day. So directly from the schoolhouse, you know, when I was there, I've, you know, I won't say when, but it's been a while. It had a different name. Uh, but the scenario was the kind of the cultivating event. And for us, when we did our full scale exercise, I was met a little bit with uh, the commander not wanting to do the press conference at the end right. and really just had to say, it's not about you. I said, I'll give you a piece of paper. You just need to stand there and read it but it's about us going through those motions, understanding what needs to be done, going through those processes. So that way, when there is an actual crisis, then we know how to respond uh, quickly and efficiently. Okay, great. You know, I know it's been quite a few years since the Joint Basing Initiative kicked off and uh, quite a few years, more than a decade since this base was renamed. Yes. But I know from my own experience, going to a joint base as my, my first duty location after graduating at DINFOS, uh, was that that difficulty that comes from trying to get everybody on the same page <laughs> with, you know, knowing what the name of the joint base is. And, you know, again, I think that's a very unique communication challenge that comes from 
being at a joint base. So can you talk to me about that experience that you've had here, again, trying to inform and educate uh, the various publics around this base about the name of the base? It is definitely a challenge. And it's definitely, I mean, we, we laugh about it a lot. I've, I've heard everything from joint base Myers, Henderson Hall, to joint base Fort Myer, to who, kno who knows what. Um, and even out in the community, you know, people refer to it as different things. And, you know, so we just politely move forward and, and politely say what it actually is. And, and, you know, I don't correct people, but we put it out there. And really, uh, we also don't have a lot of help because of the, uh, the McNair campus. So Fort McNair is also part of the joint base. And that's separated by the Potomac and it's over in Southwest DC. So that doesn't help us either. Right. And a lot of people will kind of disassociate that as a, its own installation as well. Uh, but we just keep fighting the good fight and, you know, hopefully in another 20 years, people will recognize it. And, you know, we're very blessed. Um, so we are an Army Marine Corps joint base. We're the only one uh, that exists like that. And our deputy is a Marine. So our previous deputy, I really advocated to get the uh, road signs changed to joint base Meyer Henderson Hall, you know, out around the installation here. So. So got a lot of credit for him for doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, online, by the way, I, on social media, do you see the misnaming of the base? Do you try and do anything to like correct that or whatnot? Uh, it's an opportunity for sure. Yeah. Anytime you see that, it's an opportunity to engage um, and have that conversation with, with your audience about what is joint basing? What does that look like for us? Um, and we do try to put, put forward in our command information products um, representing that jointness. So in our quarterly magazine, The Pentagram, you're going to see not just Army stories, but um, mm -hmm. stories about our Marines in there as well, every single time. So we're always thinking about how can we include our Marines? That's a, a big message we have on our, our whiteboard in the bullpen is how are we including the Marines? So it's not always on our mind and um, we're always communicating that with our audience as well. Absolutely. You mentioned a magazine that you work on. Can you tell us a little about this magazine and, and how do you utilize all the different PA assets to help build that? Yeah, so it's um, it, it started as a weekly based newspaper. You know, like a lot of installations, we had a weekly paper. And then as uh, the digital landscape has changed and, and the way that our audience consumes news and the news industry has changed, it's gone through some transformation and now it's a quarterly magazine um, that's in print and also we have a digital edition. Uh, and then throughout the, uh, just throughout the normal battle rhythm, we release stories on army.mil, uh, on core and divots. So we pull in stories from our partners across the base. All the PAO teams have the opportunity to contribute. So we reach out to them and, and ask for content and they support us and send in you know, wonderful stories to include in that magazine. That's great, that's great. Uh, now, you'd mentioned community engagement earlier, and I know this base has a unique community engagement mission uh, and also unique community engagement uh, opportunities that yes. exist because of the mission on the base. So can you tell me a little about uh, the, the community engagement mission here? Yeah, so, um, you know, we have those traditional um, aspects of it where we're working with the, you know, the civic organizations and the county and, and the different community groups. Uh, but here on the joint base, we have some really neat opportunities because there's so much history here. So we, yeah. we can utilize the Twilight Tattoo as an outreach opportunity. Uh, we have a Grant Hall, which is our historic courtroom from the trials of the Lincoln conspirators because the McNair campus was a federal penitentiary before the US military got it. And that's where they were tried and ultimately hanged. And we have reenactors and historians who come out quarterly and we have an open house to the public to come and see this. And we get uh, over 100 people every single time 
Um, you know, we just have other unique aspects to the history of the base as well. We joke around a lot because if you look at the 1908 test flight to the Wright Flyer, you can see our office building in the background. So, so we just really lean into the history and the assets that we have here and really share that with the community as much as we possibly can. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, you actually had a, a pretty big high-profile event happen not too long ago, right? The Joint Chiefs of Staff change of command, right? Sure. Can you tell me a little bit about kind of the logistics that went into executing that event or supporting it from a, a joint base perspective? Yeah, so a lot that really was through um, our Department of Emergency Services and our base operation teams. There, that was really kind of their uh, Super Bowl of events, right, to support something like that. And we were, again, there in the capacity of supporting for media. So we, so MDW, our senior command, uh, they were the uh, PAO team in charge of that event. They did reach out to us for support, which we gave, and we gave guidance and help to make sure that the media could come in and cover that. Obviously, it was a huge event. A lot yeah. of people were going to be there. Um, and then, like I said, different aspects of the garrison was supporting the safety and security of that event as well. So, yeah, it was very cool to know that the President of the United States and the Joint Chief of Staff was a stone's throw from my office. So, there you go. very cool. Do you find that engagement with the media to be something that is unique here at the, the Joint Base and in terms of uh, your overall working with them uh, to be you know more intense because of the, the fact that you're, you're uh, location in the national capital region you would think that but but not necessarily you know as a, like I said we're at the garrison level we are uh, a support function and we are competing with a lot of things going on in the national capital region so a lot of those more senior commands and those senior officials they have their own PAO teams and they're you know they just live here they're not necessarily here all the time so those stories are happening elsewhere mm -hmm. uh, but we have a great relationship with the media uh, we are open for business with the media. Um, we've had nothing but really positive interaction with them. Um, but I would say it's it's not as intense as you would think just because of the nature of what the garrison does mm -hmm. versus what those senior officials and those commands do. Okay, great. Well, you know, obviously this is a continuing education program, so we always like to highlight learning resources that our viewers can go check out. Uh, so are there any resources that you would recommend that our viewers check out to help uh, themselves become that much better as communication professionals? Sure, yeah, it is important to, to stay hungry for that knowledge and to um, continuously try to improve and learn and reach out to um, other uh, within your network, your PAO network, and say, hey, what are you reading? What are you, you know, which podcasts are you listening to? Um, you know, and we do that within our shop. Um, most of us listen to the early bird when we're driving in or um, some other podcast. Um, we, we read, we share with each other what books we're reading. Um, social media today uh, is an email that I look at every, you know, all the time um, to see what's trending with that uh, on social media. And then professional organizations like PRSA, I know some of us are, are members of that. Uh, so yeah, it is, it is uh, critical to, to, to keep sharpening yourself, keep improving yourself so that you are, you know, the very best practitioner that you can be. Absolutely. And water is a great resource if you're a PA professional who's going to be talking a lot. Um, so don't forget about that. Stay Here's hydrated. To water. Stay hydrated, <laughs> friends. Um, but in all seriousness, you know, there's uh, the great things that Pamela mentioned. There's, you know, National Association of Government Communicators. There's the APR Plus M program that I know DIMFOS is a big supporter of. And then there's also great um, groups. I have to give a shout out to the Communicators Coffee Chat. Uh, Mitch Arnowitz, find him on LinkedIn or hit me up and I'll get you connected. And that's just government communicators from literally all over the world. 
and we meet like once a month. Uh, it's a peer-led kind of discussion on various topics. We had the Commandant of the Coast Guard's speechwriter last month. Uh, this month we have uh, Brian Lamar who's uh, giving a talk on what he wishes he told his younger PAO self. Um, so just find those, those resources. You know, the podcast, I mean, I could give you a list of books a mile long. Um, so just, you know, find, uh, find what keeps you hungry about it, as Pamela said, and, and, just, and just go for it. And, of course, get to the schoolhouse. Uh, that's obviously very important, but there are so many other things out there as well that we can take advantage of. Okay, great. Well, as we come to any interview, at the end of any interview, of course, <laughs> I always like to add, is there anything else you would like to add before we say <laughs> goodbye to you? We learned that one in the schoolhouse too, didn't we? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'll let you go first, Pam. Uh, always say yes, I think. <laughs> yes, we always answer. have something to add. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would say, you know, use your, use your network. Um, absolutely tap into them. And um, if you get stuck, you know, you, you don't have to have the, the answer immediately, but um, know where to find it. You know, yeah. know, you can always search on Pavilion if you need a template for, for this or that. Um, so uh, reaching out, using that network, using those resources uh, to find the answer, that would be my advice. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really echo that. You know, as PAOs, we are our own best assets, so don't ever be afraid to call a PAO anywhere if you see something they're doing that you like and want to, to bring to your shop. And then also, I think just, you know, we need to recognize our teams too, because we talked a lot about the different chiefs. There are UPARs, there are so many people on the PAO teams. I mean, I've got four, you've all met Pamela. You know, you, you haven't met Jason, Denise, and Susan, who run social media, who edit the Pentagram, who run the Conrail program, uh, all key players and key people. And so our network is vast and, and just, just use it. Awesome, well, great. Well, thank you so much for taking time out to be on our program today. We really appreciate it, especially on this incredibly historic episode, yeah. first ever on the road. So we do definitely appreciate that. And appreciate all of you for tuning in uh, to our program today and watching. And of course, uh, if you like today's program, by all means, you can listen to it as well as a podcast. So just search Adinfos Live on your podcatcher of choice. Well, that's our episode for this month. We want to thank you all for tuning in and uh, giving us your attention, of course, today. Uh, next month on December 20th at 2 p.m. Eastern, we'll be back in the studio and we'll be talking about live streaming and how you can utilize that as a function to meet your commander's intent. All right, well, that's our episode for this month. Thank you all for tuning in, and we hope to see you again next month. Have a great one, everybody. Bye.